support for this podcast comes from Staffing Future. Nowadays, your recruitment website needs to do more than just validate your business. Websites are your digital front door, where new clients and great talent should come knocking. So do you want your recruitment website to stand out from the crowd, generate new business leads and placement revenue? If that's a yes, then talk to Staffing Future, the recruitment website and technology experts. Get a free website and technology stack review and competitor analysis today. Just visit staffingfuture.com slash rules. What great ideas are so close within your grasp? Seeing other points of view, anticipating change, considering multiple possible turnouts, acknowledging uncertainty, searching for compromise. We're going to talk about how to get over those limiters of innovation so that you can extract better thinking from yourself and your team. So let's talk about how to win the future. Welcome to the Marketing Rules Podcast from Thinking Circles. With me, your host, James Whitelock. Hopefully, we're all familiar with the benefits of having a more diverse and inclusive workforce. But this process begins even before the candidate submits their resume. Talking to me this week is Ivan Demosten, CEO at Hamilton Demo, a US recruitment business that specializes in diversity and inclusion. Ivan discusses how we can recruit with DNI in mind and who is responsible for DNI within the recruitment process. Welcome back, everybody, to the Marketing Rules Podcast. And I am joined today by Ivan Demosten. Um, and Ivan, why don't you kind of give us a bit of an insight into one, your background uh, and what you kind of and what you do today? Yeah, thank you, James. Uh, thanks for having me on your show this morning. I know I'm, I'm, uh, you're a little bit ahead of me, <laughs> but uh, it's bright and early here in the States. Uh, but again, thank you so much for having me. Um, based here in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I'm in the recruitment space. I started in this space about 16, 17 years ago. My first job in the space was with careerbuilder.com. And it was an interesting time. We were just coming off of Y2K. You had corporate America. Uh, establishing a lot of career sites, uh, implementing a lot of applicant tracking systems and talent management suites within their companies, and HR and talent and their talent acquisition departments were really just embrace, beginning to embrace this and leverage its capabilities for their organizations. So from there, worked with enterprise uh, organizations as my focus. Any any companies in my region that were assigned to me were of 2,000 employees all the way to a million employees. And uh, uh, shortly after starting, I was assigned as the diversity specialist for the region. My, my uh, manager at the time I identified me as someone who always brought up diversity recruiting. And when was that, Ivan? What, 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 what's the kind of date of that that you were made that yeah. diversity kind of specialist? Oh, four, oh, five. Okay. So that's really early, right? In yeah. the kind of diversity and inclusion kind of, kind of, uh, kind of timeline. Um, and we're well, going to talk, we're going to talk a little bit more about that later, but yeah, I mean, just interesting that you were kind of, that you're, you know, that, that a business you were working within was taking it so seriously at that point. Yeah, and and you know, in some contexts it was very early, right? But uh, some of the companies that have been around for a long time have embraced diversity for quite some time, right? So yeah, happy to talk about that uh, here shortly as well. So uh, that that afforded me an opportunity because my uh, counterparts 
uh, began inviting me to their sales calls, to their meetings, to their organizations. So overnight, uh, I had the opportunity to have uh, conversations and build relationships with other individuals in companies that I wouldn't have the opportunity to, uh, to do, right? So that yeah. was exciting. I also spent uh, time at monster.com uh, in the same role. And later on, I was with a company called Professional Diversity Network. And some people may uh, remember uh, uh, Professional Diversity Network because they came onto the scene as iHispano. It was the very first uh, Spanish-speaking professional networking platform. And they were kind of like LinkedIn before, before LinkedIn was LinkedIn for Spanish-speaking people, speaking professionals where it allowed uh, those individuals to uh, communicate, share ideas, um, let each other know what they were doing. And from there, they, they expanded to several more uh, groups and organizations such as a Mighty River, um, and they concentrate on women, military, people with disabilities, uh, just to name a few. Yeah. And so a few years ago, decided, decided with my business partner, Sean Hamilton, to go out on our own. And we created Hamilton Demo. And we've been experiencing some pretty good things, talking with some pretty good companies from uh, Chipotle, uh, Precision Environments, uh, and some, some others, and doing some good things and co- focusing with the specialty in diversity recruiting. Um, I mean, that's amazing. That's a pretty... Uh, one, it's uh, it, it's diverse it, with a small D kind of background you've kind of got got there. Um, but uh, I mean, the fact that again, from a UK standpoint, you seem to have been kind of embedded in the kind of inclusion and diversity discussion for years before we even maybe even kind of really started to tackle it over here, um, which we're not necessarily going to kind of dip into too much. But you know, we are going to talk around. Uh, diversity and inclusion and recruitment, because this is where you specialize now. This is this is yes. your thing, right? From moving from being the kind of uh, kind of a uh, heading up diversity divisions, you're now recruiting for businesses and to help them be more diverse, be more inclusive, and kind of yes. and just make that kind of whole workforce a bit more um, realistic, as it were. Yes. Yes, it's been it's been quite the journey so far, and as you alluded to, had the privilege of not even really understanding what the impact of what what was happening at the time. Right, focusing on recruiting and built some trust and goodwill with my contacts, built some relationships where I became a trusted advisor, and uh, they would tap my shoulder and ask me questions into their DNI strategies, uh, their equity strategies, and yeah, it was uh, it was really a great time, and yeah, a little bit in front in front of uh, the curve there. Yeah. Sure. yeah. So, um, I mean, how do you go about kind of recruiting with kind of diversity in mind? You know, what are the things that you know as a, as recruiters, um, you know, wherever you are in the world, that you should be trying to kind of put in place to make sure that you've kind of got the best kind of uh, and rigorous processes. Uh, in in, in, in um, to go to move forward. Yeah, James, it's a great question. I think what people uh, tend to assume sometimes is that it's either one end or the other. It's either 
really easy or it's really difficult, right? Uh, what, what I usually see is that companies are usually very successful in their recruiting efforts, but it's not producing the diversity within their organization that they're, that they're looking and striving for. Uh, so it's easy, to, it's easy to continue the things that work for you, and it's harder to break habits, right? So one of the simplest things I share with people is when you're fishing and you want a different fish, fish in a different pond, right? Don't keep fishing in the same pond. Don't keep fishing in the same spot expecting to catch a different fish, right? Mm -hmm. So we've got some uh, phenomenal job boards here, some phenomenal resources that organizations use, uh, but they need to get out of that. So you need to go where your, your desired demographic is living and playing. So that's, my, that's usually one of the first things I analyze where companies are currently um, sourcing and finding their candidates. And then I pivot from there. Yeah. Um, and what about if, if it's a business that, uh, that already thinks they're doing all this? Right, you must come against that. You say, oh yeah, we we we've got a diverse workforce, and you kind of know that it's not you know it's not diverse in any way, shape, or form. Um, how how do you go about fixing that? Yeah, well, actually, if the conversation comes up, it's pre, it's it's more than them uh, thinking that they already have a diverse um, workforce. They're resisting okay. uh, the fact that they don't have one. Right, so the, um, they either know it and they don't want to talk about it, or uh, they, they're apprehensive because it may seem overwhelming, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so once they come to me, that's, that's the reality. It's, it's, already, it's already the, uh, the elephant in the room, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. Right. And what about, isn't there, again, playing kind of devil's advocate a little bit here, uh, one of the kind of the excuses we've heard is that, oh, we, we just hire the best person for the job. You know what I mean? And it just happens to be that they're all middle-class white, 40 year old white guys, you know, um, you know, there must be kind of ways of just kind of, uh, of, uh, of counteracting that kind of argument. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the, the first argument or the first thing to, to let people realize is, uh, we always appreciate individuals hiring or companies hiring the best individuals. Uh, but I think we can all agree if we were, if we were to deepen our pool of candidates, um, if we were to widen our scope, have a larger uh, choice, that um, a lot of times there may be opportunities to hire other other individuals that may be a better fit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I I think that's very easy for companies to realize as well. Um, I, I I'll be honest, I haven't heard that a lot. I, I I've um, at least I haven't heard it out loud i do i do have a sense that it's it's thought internally that that thought concept is uh thought internally more than externally uh but yeah you, you know just have, providing a, a a bigger pool a wider pool of candidates can always can always result in a better better outcome um and kind of following on from that and picking up on a, a blog that's on your kind of website is um is how do you recruit uh, kind of with DNI in mind remotely? Because obviously, I, I'm, well, I don't want to kind of 
carry on about pandemics, etc. But this is now the kind of this is now the situation for the for the foreseeable future and probably continuing, you know, that kind of remote working is to be part of it. So how do you how does DNI fit into that? Yeah. So great, great question. And you know, we're we're exploring that currently too. I, I appreciate you reading our blog. So it's um it, it's really tweaking the the strategies that I, I kind of already shared with you, right? You really need to take a deeper dive to where individuals are kind of playing and where they're reading their articles, where they're going to find jobs. And in each region, each locality, those uh, you may identify different pockets or different areas of opportunity, right? So uh, nationally speaking, you have organizations um, that are seeking, seeking individuals that are really looking for more, more remote opportunities. And they're going to more of the larger associations like your NAACPs, like your urban leagues, um, other national associations like uh, Black MBAs, um, NSBE, which is the uh, engineering association for uh, uh, individuals of color. So yeah, you just really need to kind of, you know, look behind the curtain a little bit more uh, dig into the locality on the national level. I shared I shared those examples. And do you think it's now easier or harder now we're working remotely to kind of to to recruit with DNI in mind? Yeah, I um, I think it's it might be uh, depending on what you're looking for. To, let's be honest, James. Depending on the role, mm-hmm. um, I, I think it could be harder than ever. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and depending on the region, you know, uh, I mentioned Nesby, which is the uh, uh, engineering association, you know, all companies are having a huge struggle with engineers, right? Has, has working remotely made that easier? Uh, not necessarily. It might, have, it, it might be even a little bit harder right now, right? Yeah. Um, hourly workers, I've helped, I've helped some companies, um, especially in the service industry, uh, with some strategies to attract hourly workers. So with hourly workers, I think it's become a little bit easier, right? You've got you've got the opportunity to capture them in some outlets, some media outlets where you can uh, express your employment brand to those individuals where there might not have been an opportunity before. Uh, so the the remote the remote access that they have or that they're established in now because of the pandemic is allowing them to to receive those messages. Um, and that kind of leads on to kind of a much more kind of overarching question is um, where does the responsibility lie with regards to kind of making sure that people are aware of these issues? Does it come from within a recruitment setting? Does it come from the client, the recruiter? The candidate, the, the 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 industry in general, you know, who's who who should be kind of educating who around around this? Yeah, that that's a that's a great question. I, I don't know if I've ever really thought about that, uh, James, but that is definitely a great question uh, that that I'll think about. I will share that I often tell people that organizations that have a clear message of diversity and diversity recruitment from the top, from the CEO level all the way down are the ones that tend to succeed in their diversity recruiting and their uh, DNI efforts. Uh, it, and, you, and you can see that from afar, right? 
Uh, so that's often where I look to see how how that congruency is right. If if that message is internal, it it usually beacons out to the community, and that employment brand is one where individuals uh, that are that target demographic it really resonates with them, and they seek to be part of that organization. That that never ceases to amaze me, right? There, there's been opportunities and times where I've tried to approach a client, um, or I should say a candidate about uh, opportunities and they kind of shrugged it off or they were apprehensive. It's happened a lot with uh, career fairs where I was part of career fairs. And I would uh, look at people, there'd be a long line in front of one company and I would I would point to people and and uh, show them other booths or other organizations that were hiring, and they would kind of look at me with with big eyes, like who are they? Or no, my I had a I had a relative that worked there, and it wasn't the best experience, right? And you can mm-hmm. see you can see their wheels sp- spinning behind their eyes, right? You, you know exactly what they're talking about. So I think from the top to the bottom is where that opportunity starts and and should begin, ideally. So I think. I think that kind of says it's the it's the client's responsibility to do the majority yes. to do the heavy lifting. I think around around this, um, and as a recruiter, uh, do you? I mean, ha, do you prefer to work with the businesses that you know have already kind of making moves in this area that are already very diverse and already have kind of maybe even got a DNI officer involved and someone who's kind of managing this business, or do you like to want to work with the businesses that? really need to kind of up their game you know i mean is your work already done with the businesses that kind of you know they're already there yeah so obviously organizations that have diversity officers are are usually more appealing in that sense because the conversation is better but oftentimes james they have the same struggles right uh it's an uphill battle think about it they're they're on a ship where they're trying to influence where the ship is going hmm. and they and they have they have to get buy-in right so that's from the sales department from operations um from a, from a co- accounting and finance all all throughout the organization so sometimes it's easier to start from scratch right than it is to start midway yeah, yeah. um and i mean not that i kind of want to get uh, particularly political or but have events over the last kind of year or so uh and has the current and outgoing administration how has that kind of affected the the topics that we're talking about kind of inclusion and diversity and has has it had a negative a positive what's the kind of just the fallout if the, if it, if we can call it that or what's the what's the positives that have come out of that yeah, I, I can share with you just um, within my circle and my network, I, I know individuals and companies that are really thriving during this time um, that are in this space. And I, I think the general sentiment, uh, including myself, is that um, the last year has really caused people to kind of break through their apprehension about even having a conversation, mm-hmm. pulling back the curtain in their own companies, yep. saying, hey, we we want to address this um, for whatever reason, whether they they want to be with the community uh, because of the because of the current situation, or if it's uh, the situation is causing them to take a closer look, or 
if all of the above is really having an impact on their bottom line and their workforce, right? So um, the situation, I, I think, has that general sentiment where uh, companies are are coming forward more, where they may have been more apprehensive before. For me personally, in Hamilton Demo, uh, the first the first two years, um, it was you know we had some conversations, but that next step afterwards has always been tough, especially when you engage new clients that you're establishing relationships with. So what we've seen in the past year is that we're having a lot more conversations with, with, with organizations that are doing a lot more discovery. They want to know more. They want to start being more, more educated about what they should do, where the opportunities are, what, what they may be doing wrong and how they can improve. So we're looking forward to with the brand new year that those candidates, now that they have that information and are, are now more uh, better informed, that they'll come back and then we'll have the opportunity to serve them and uh, deliver for them. Fantastic. Um, so let's move on to my favorite subjects, which is marketing. Um, and, and something that I've always kind of struggled with as a, as a recruitment marketer is how you make your recruitment marketing more inclusive, how you genuinely reflect um, one, how, how a client is, how a, an agency comes across, how the job is meant to be kind of how you put the job out there. You know, all the things that as marketeers, we try and kind of help businesses with, whether it's employer branding, et cetera, et cetera. And, and what are the kind of things that could help me make sure that we are representing our clients kind of better with, with regards to inclusivity? Yeah. So yeah, great question, uh, James, as I mentioned before, uh, the, it, the employment brand is so spe- is so important, right? Yeah. I think we often forget that. It's, um, you, you you focus on your product so much, you, you often forget that your your recruiting brand, your talent acquisition brand is tied in. It, it's all together, right? It's one and the same. So uh, that's really important. How do you do that? Well, when you use your advertising dollars, make sure that you you know, you look at areas or try to advertise and express your company in places where, where you, you, you will find these uh, individuals that you're seeking, right? Make sure you advertise on all the ponds, not just one pond, right? So that's, that's important. And I can tell you here in the States, I don't know about there uh, uh, across the pond, but uh, here I'm seeing a lot more, um, uh, commercials that are diverse in different communities from from the obvious the visuals right you mm-hmm. see blended families uh, you you see uh, commercials where you only saw one type of audience uh, being being addressed now you have other audiences being addressed so that's been very uh, uh, obvious to me here in the past six to eight months that I'm seeing personally as on, a Brit uh, on as TV. a as a Brit, I would be naturally cynical about those kind of things and think that maybe the, those are businesses just um, giving lip service to that kind of thing because it's quite easy, you know, to to drop in, um, you know, uh, people, some someone from from a diverse background, someone from an ethnic background, someone who is old, someone who is may has a disability, and it just feels sometimes a bit 
kind of forced and cynical and does that really how does that really represent the actual business or is it just to kind of get just to look like that for for a good pr yeah yeah very 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 good point but i'm a guy's uh, i'm a guy who glass is half full right <laughs> i always i could see it as a beginning right i i'm i'm going to i'm going to think positive about that and you know you have to start somewhere right yeah and uh, as I mentioned, that congruency, you're, you're absolutely right. You see it outside. Sooner or later, if you don't change inside, people are going to figure it out, right? That might work short term, but in the long run, it's not going to work. But at, at least that's a start. Hmm. And we have to start, we have to start somewhere. Uh, yeah, that's a much more, a much better way of looking at it than my cynical view. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been doing this a long time, right? So. Um, you know, I, it, through my experience too, James, uh, I'll, I, I have to be a hundred percent honest. I think for the most part, companies and individuals and companies really try to do the best that they can. Yeah. They don't, they don't always know how to get from point A to point B and they, and they can truly, I've seen it in, in their eyes. They can truly be overwhelmed. You see the enthusiasm and the like kind of kind of dip, you know, they think that they can just pound the table, uh, raise their voices and it's going to happen. You march out of the room and it's going to happen. Right. And then when they find out the work that's involved, the, the, the moving pieces, you can, you can see that enthusiasm wane and the, the light them. So, but I think just from my experience, most companies and most, uh, individuals working in those companies really want to do the best that they can. I'm, I'm going to ask you a question that I ask. We've had several um, kind of diversity inclusion uh, kind of discussions on on the Marketing Rules podcast. Uh, and I always end up asking um, my guest is, you know, will we ever get there? Is there an end game uh, when this is kind of no longer discussed? Um, and if we if we get there, you know, what do you do then? What happens at that point? Yeah. Well, I... That's again, that's a great question, James. Is there an end game? I think we'd all like to think that there is, and maybe someday there is, but I think it's something that it's always going to be a moving target, right? Uh, I'll share a little story with you. I was sure. working, had the opportunity to work with someone who had um, a partnership with a foreign company that that is bringing technology to the United States, and they've got this really slick platform. And this was going to help organizations manage their talent and seek out diverse talent. And you look on their on their dashboard, and it it only identified um, men, women, and African Americans on their dashboard. These are great people, right? They're really enthusiastic. And uh, when I explained to them, hey, there's some different demographics here that we can look at, and if you intend uh, to, to reach the entire country of the United States, you need to keep in mind that the largest population now is uh, Hispanics and Latinos, right? And, you, and if you approach a Fortune 500 company and you show them this dashboard and you can't have a dashboard that includes that population as well as others, mm -hmm. that might deter 
uh, uh, your opportunity to work with those organizations. That might be a huge tell to them that that tool may not may not help you, right? So I think that it's always going to be a moving target. Another example is as I get, I'm not as uh, I'm not as young as you are, James. I, I used to be as young as you are, but now getting older, it's becoming real that people over fifty, people over sixty, are now becoming a targeted diverse group, right? A category where uh, employers seek, and you know, and many times individuals that that find themselves in the situation where they're seeking out a job and they're over 50, it's, it's harder for them to find a job now, right? They experience, they experience some of the, uh, some of the uh, things that other cultural groups have experienced over the years now, you know, especially in light of individuals not staying with companies, their entire careers, right? We're, we're moving from uh, job to job now. So that's another opportunity, military people, people with disabilities. So I think it's always going to be a moving target. The closer we get, I think that uh, we, we definitely have the opportunity to do a better job and to improve on where we are now, but it will always be a moving target. Um, Ivan, that has been absolutely amazing. Uh, thank you very much for sharing today. Um, what we'll do, we'll include all your details in the show notes. So everybody wants to kind of get in contact with you, they can. If they want to hear from more from you, you've got us a couple more interviews on the website. Um, but for today, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, my pleasure, James. I look forward to, uh, to speaking with you again, hopefully in the future sometime. This was great. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Marketing Rules podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all other major podcasting platforms. I've been your host, James Whitelock, and I hope you can join me and more amazing guests next time. The Marketing Rules Podcast is a Thinking Circles production.